there are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are golden retrievers. Which means Tubi is more popular than using meat-flavored toothpaste. More popular than never figuring out what W-A-L-K spells. More popular than kicking your leg when a human rubs your belly just right. Tubi. It's more popular than golden retrievers. See you in there. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no hollow, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul. Whatever thou be, until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to another episode of Scared to Death, Creeps and Peepers. Thanks for sharing the show with your friends. Appreciate the new listeners. I'm Dan. Hey, Dan. I'm Lindsay. Hello. And we're going to get right into the show again. Okay. Well, I dig that. Uh, while you mm-hmm. prepare that, I just am going to show off yeah. my socks. Do it. Do uh, it. Because apparently people do care. People do Look care about the socks. They have little paw prints on the bottom. So cute. <laughs> kitty cat. Oh, kitty cat. And also, I've already got my blanket on because somebody forgot we were recording today and didn't put on real pants today. Oh man! So here I am. Yeah, we're gonna keep, we're gonna keep uh, more announcements towards the back end of the show. Yeah, so stay tuned. Let's do it, Dan. What do you got for me this week? Uh, well, how much how much horror do you have? <sighs> I have so many horrors. I mean, horror. Uh, I have two stories. Okay. But you, standard. Okay, sometimes th- two, sometimes three. Yep, yep. A standard two. Uh, where are we going this week? North Carolina and far upstate New York, almost to Canada. Oh, interesting. I, I have an um, upstate New York uh, <laughs> story as well. Okay, copycat. Mm-hmm. For my two tales, I have an urban legend from the U.S. Uh, largely takes place in New York. Okay. And, and a creepy tale of some haunted ground from the U.K. Uh, my first tale is that of the rake. Uh, it's a tale of uh, maybe a cryptid, perhaps uh, allegedly lurking Primarily in the northeastern U.S. New mm-hmm. York State, as I said, also uh, supposedly spotted here in Idaho. Uh. After that, we head to a creepy little patch of forest just southwest of Birmingham, England, hmm. the Hagley Wood, to look at an encounter uh, two young men had with some robed figures that may be connected to a 1940s murder. I love Birmingham, uh, Birmingham, Alabama, Birmingham, England. Oh, really? Huh? Yeah, I have it's not been. Really pretty. Uh, it'll be, you know, we'll we'll look into did these robed figures put Bella in the witch elm? A phrase that will make more sense once you hear the story. Okay, lay it on me. Okay, so are you ready for the first story? There's there's no setup on this one. We're going to dive right in. Go. Some modern folklore here. Time now for the tale of the rake. Beginning in the summer of 2003. A few events in the northeastern United States involving what seemed to be the same type of a strange humanoid creature led some to start trying to connect some disturbing dots. Each person who had an encounter with this thing described it the same way. Humanoid, about six feet tall when standing, usually crouches, walks on all fours, very pale skin, blank face devoid of a nose or mouth. It does have eyes. Three solid green eyes, one in the middle of its forehead, the other two on either side of its head towards the back. In a group of sightings studied, the creature was seen primarily in front yards and suburban areas. In most cases, it noticed the person or people watching it and would watch back, but usually did nothing more than watch. In a few cases, however, there were reports of the creature standing up and attacking when approached or approaching people, touching people, etc., When the creature attacks, a large mouth opens up in a very disturbing way. It's as if the whole bottom half of the head opens and the top half of the creature's skull unnaturally tilts back to reveal jaws with many tiny, dully pointed teeth. 
So it's like there's a hinge in the back of its head. Uh, The people who've encountered the rake, whether in their own yards or on walks in the woods, in their bedrooms, dark streets at night, all seem to agree on this unique description. Witnesses have been primarily concentrated in New York State, with one additional witness, at least one, in Idaho. And although they can all agree on what it looked like, they seem to have different feelings about what the nature of this creature is. Emotions range from extremely traumatic levels of fright and discomfort to an almost childlike sense of playfulness and curiosity. Some people report actually worrying about this creature's well-being. Uh, no. Witnesses have communicated with each other. They've searched for answers. They've described their experiences and dug through records and archives to try and understand what this creature is over message boards and emails. They began to cobble together the history of this thing they called the rake, the creature getting its name from the long rake-like claws it has on its hands. By early 2006, the small collaboration of witnesses had accumulated nearly two dozen documents dating between the 12th century and the present day spanning four continents, and almost all the cases they found the stories of the creature identical. And then according to stories I found on the web recently, much of their hard work documenting the existence of this creature has apparently vanished. What? Message boards suddenly empty, websites deleted, emails gone. Why would anyone want them to stop talking about the rake? Witnesses managed to recover a few of the documents they'd lost. One of them was a suicide note from 1964. It read, As I prepare to take my life, I feel it necessary to assuage any guilt or pain I have introduced through this act. It is not the fault of anyone other than him. For once I awoke... And felt his presence. Once I awoke and saw his form. Once again I awoke and heard his voice. And looked into his eyes. I cannot sleep without fear of what I might next awaken to experience. I cannot ever wake. Goodbye. Found in the same wooden box were two empty envelopes addressed to William and Rose. And one loose personal letter with no envelope that said, Dearest Linny, I have prayed for you. He spoke your name. Some even older accounts relating to the rake survived. A mariner's log from 1691 lamented, He came to me in my sleep. From the foot of my bed I felt a sensation. He took everything. We must return to England. We shall not return here again. A journal entry translated from its original Spanish and dated 1880 read, I have experienced the greatest terror. I see his eyes when I close mine. They are hollow, black. They saw me and pierced me. His wet hand, I will not sleep, his voice. And at that point, the text became too difficult to read. In 2002, one person posted on a message board for sleep paralysis. The poster didn't think they'd been suffering sleep from sleep paralysis exactly, but they were just desperate to finally get some rest, and this was the closest guess they could make regarding what they were experiencing. When someone asked them to detail exactly what they'd been seeing in their sleep paralysis dreams, the poster replied, I hid my head under the blanket and stayed as still as possible. I could see a faint silhouette through the fabric. It looked like a hairless dog with a warped body with long, distorted arms. The creature walked across the floor and crawled out of sight. I could only assume that it had gone up the steps. I didn't sleep at all. I held still and refused to allow myself to move until dawn. My mother had come down the steps confused and a bit aggravated. She had asked me to come upstairs and look at the wall. The walls had been covered with long scratches. The distance between the marks was large. The hands must have been at least six inches wide. And then the message board this post was found on was quickly deleted. And then no one ever heard from that user again. Hmm. In 2006, one person shared their story in an email to a friend. When the friend tried to email them back, the email bounced. Email address no longer found. This odd email read, Three years ago, I was on my way back from a trip from Niagara Falls with my family. It was the middle of summer, our car's AC was broken, and at the end of a long day of driving, we were all exhausted. When we got home, my husband and I put the kids right to bed and called it a night. At about four in the morning, I woke up. I sensed something was different. Something had woken me. I thought my husband had gotten up to use the bathroom. I used the moment to steal back the sheets, only to wake him up. He had been there the whole time. I apologized and told him I thought he got out of bed. When he turned to face me, he gasped and pulled his feet up from the end of the bed so quickly his knee almost knocked me out of the bed. I was about to cry out in pain when I saw it. At the foot of the bed, sitting and facing away from us was what looked like a naked man or a large hairless dog. 
Yeah. It, its body position was disturbing and unnatural, as if it had been hit by a car or something. It was all bent and twisted. For some reason, I was not instantly frightened by it, but more concerned as to its condition. Even though it seemed to have broken into our house, I wanted to help it. I can't explain my reaction. My husband had the opposite reaction. He was tucked into the fetal position, occasionally glancing at me before his gaze returned to the creature. He was shaking. All of a sudden, the creature scrambled around the side of the bed and then crawled quickly in a flailing sort of motion right along the bed until it was at least until it was less than a foot from my husband's face. The creature was completely silent. It just stared at my husband. The creature then placed its hand on my husband's knee and ran into the hallway. And just like I had been sure that I wanted to help it, I was also now sure it was headed to the kids' rooms. I screamed and ran for the light switch. I had to stop him. When I got to the hallway, the light from the bedroom was enough to see it hunched over my daughter's bed. <sighs> he turned around and looked directly at me, covered in blood. I didn't want to look, but I knew I had to see what it had done. I flipped the switch on the wall and saw my daughter Clara and I started to scream. The creature ran down the stairs and I chased it, worried it was going to attack my son next. My husband tried to help our daughter. A section of her stomach had been completely torn out. <gasps> he said she whispered to him, he is the rake. My husband threw our daughter into the car and raced towards the hospital. It wasn't far away. Well, I locked myself in my son's room and called the police. My husband and daughter never made it to the hospital that night. He drove his car into the lake and they both drowned. What? Rumors of what happened to us that night spread around the area pretty quickly, but it was never talked about in the media. The local newspaper interviewed me, and reporters talked to the police, but the story was never published and the in the local television news never broadcast anything. For several months, my son Justin and I stayed in a hotel near my parents' house. Eventually, we decided to return home. I decided we couldn't let this ruin our lives, and I wanted some answers. Poking around on the web, I eventually located a man in the next town over who had a similar story. After talking about our experiences, he told me he knew of two other people in New York who had also seen the rake. The four of us started talking, and we spent two solid years of hunting on the internet and writing letters, gathering more evidence of additional encounters. One journal we found had an entry involving the creature in its first three pages, but never mentioned it again. A ship's log explained nothing of the encounter, saying only that they were told to leave by the rake. And that was the last entry in that log. We found many instances where the creature's visit was one of a series of visits with the same person. Multiple people also mentioned being spoken to just like my daughter had. This led us to wonder if the rake had visited any of us before our last encounter. I set up a digital recorder in my bed and let it run all night, every night for two weeks. I would tediously scan through the sounds of me rolling around in my bed each day when I woke up. By the end of the second week, I was quite used to the occasional groan or mumbling while burning through the recording at eight times the normal speed. It took me an hour a day, but it seemed worth it. I had to know what happened to my daughter and my husband. On the first day of the third week, I thought I heard something different. What I found was a shrill voice. It was the rake. I couldn't listen to it long enough to even begin to transcribe it. All I know is that I've heard it before and now believe that it spoke when it was sitting in front of my husband. I don't remember hearing anything at that time, but for some reason the voice on the recorder immediately brings me back to that moment. The final thoughts that must have gone through my daughter's head make me so angry, so upset. I have not seen the rake since he ruined my life, but I know that he has been in my room again while I've slept. I know and fear that one night I'll wake up to see him staring at me again. Did any of this really happen? Are the people who wrote the messages still out there? Their online identities have vanished just as almost all of the posts have. Is this all made up or could all or some of it be real? It's just one of the many stories about the rake, or if, sorry, if just one of the many stories about the rake are real, then there is another creature you may not have known about before out there in the dark. One more reason to be afraid at night. One more possibility to entertain when you wonder what just made that sound in the basement or in the attic or near the foot of your bed. One more cause of concern as you pull your covers tight and pray that you can just please not see what you've just learned about and make it back to the safety of the daylight. Yeah, 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 yeah. So interesting modern folklore. <sighs> Ho hopefully not real. I mean. Yeah, spooky little creature. Uh, I don't think he's so little, my friend. He, he is not so little. I he actually not so little. do have uh, an image here that uh, Joe will bring up in just a moment. I feel like I really don't want to see it. Pretty creepy. Pretty creepy. I mean, three eyes. Here we go. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Look at that. 
What? What is this video? That is what comes up when you Google image search the rake. A little gif, uh, something. I mean, I will say, at first I, I found that very creepy, but also this feels like something someone made. Well, yeah, yeah. It could easily be something somebody made. Right, it could uh, be somebody with like a bald cap on, mm -hmm. blah, blah. Somebody's vision of what this thing could be, somebody doing some CGI. Pretty creepy, though. Pretty creepy, but also that just looks like a human. I don't think it does. I think it looks like CGI if it's made up, because I don't think a human's arms would bend. Like, look how its arms bend right there. Right there. I can do that. I can't. Weird. It's just like this. It's uh, not. I guess. I guess so. I don't know. Okay. At first, that was very creepy, but as always, I want to rationalize it away. So sure. I'm like, of course. Oh, no, it's of course. Fine, of it's course. Fine. It's just like you know, some really skinny yeah. girl who put on some sort of like CGI suit, right. you know, like a green screen. <laughs> And, and I will say on the spectrum of stories we cover, the modern folklore ones are, you know, they strain credibility the most. Yeah. You know, for me, at least. For, yeah. But not for everybody. But uh, I just find them also disturbing enough to include in here. And they kind of, I feel like, round out the body of stories we cover. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. No, you don't have to justify putting that yeah, in. The rake. Yeah. I'd, I'd, never, I'd never heard of it. Uh, yeah. Before um, Sophie, our, one of our curators, our producers, found that, found that tale. Well, of course, I was thinking when you were talking about like, oh, sometimes when you open a window, you see it outside. Sorry, out of the corner of my eye, I could see you moving the book. Oh, I was yeah. like, oh, my <laughs> God, what's there? Um, I was just thinking about our house. Mm -hmm, we have a mm -hmm. significant number of windows. Yep. And every time we have to let the dogs out at night, my biggest fear is that I'm going to pull God. back the curtains. Oh, God, I never thought of that. And right against the window is just going to be something. Oh, yeah, because the dogs want to go out at night, and we uh, pull the curtains back on the sliding glass door. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, great. I have something new to think about because that had oh, never my. occurred to me. I think about that with the shower curtain every time I go into a bathroom ever in my life <laughs> where the shower curtains are closed, that there could be something right behind the shower curtain. I never thought of something on the other side of the sliding glass door because that would be fucking terrifying. Fucking terrifying. You couldn't close it fast enough. The alarm's not on. Oh, you don't take your phone with you when you and, go to let the dogs and out. And they'd be right there. It'd be such a disadvantage to defend right yourself. there. Just inches from your face. Eee. Yeah, because remember when we found those? <laughs> Yay. Those. Oh, remember when we found those footprints on our back step? Mm, yeah, we've talked about that a few uh -huh. times. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we just had our patio oh, resealed. Yeah. Footsteps are gone. That's that's true. They weren't there this time. They weren't there. And it rained recently and they weren't there because we true. thought that maybe it was like a rain thing. So clearly. Or they just did it in a different technique this time. But, okay, prior to them resealing, mm -hmm. it had rained. And that's when we noticed it the first time. We thought like, oh. Yeah. Well, they weren't there anymore. That's true. So that's, th I think that's where that's it like all started. Ideal. Yeah. Because I was like, oh my God, it could be right there. Oh my, that'd be terrifying. Uh, every once in a while, there's a deer in our backyard. <laughs> and like, I just see a brief flash of movement as I turn the light on to let the dogs out. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God. Oh, it's a deer. <laughs> like I just, um, yeah, yeah. That suicide note situation was really creepy to yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. Like the whole thing. Well, how they called somebody out, like Linny, right. said your name. What? N not cool. <laughs> right, right, not right. Not cool. If I am killing myself because I feel like a paranormal entity has taken me over, mm -hmm. I'm not going to let you know if it's coming for you. If it if it if it warned you about me or said something, I would want to know. You can't stop it. I'd want to. I'd want to try. Oh, okay, that's interesting. I also, I just want to say this one thing. I also didn't yeah. like how somebody said it had a wet hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that a disturbing detail. Ugh. Yeek. What is the most basic gift you have ever given the moms in your life for Mother's Day? Flowers? A candle? Some random knickknack you picked up at the last minute because you completely spaced Mother's Day? I have definitely made the mistake of procrastinating gifts for Mother's Day. And then, like the Friday before, I run to whatever store is open and convince myself that, yes, yes, my mom does need another coffee mug that declares she's the <laughs> world's best. So lame. This year, how about one-upping yourself by giving the moms in your life an Aura picture frame? Named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to any mom at any age. Aura frames connect easily to Wi-Fi and have unlimited storage so you can share as many pictures as you want. This year, as many of you know, I am on a spending freeze, but one of my carve-outs was meaningful gifts for the people I love. I don't want to give all of the moms in our lives something that won't bring them joy. We are giving Aura frames to the moms in our world because they are timeless, heartwarming gifts. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code SCARED at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
What are the things that weigh you down on a day-to-day basis? What kind of stress are you holding on to? Do you spend much of your day going over things in your brain over and over until they are so distracting it affects your mental health? Well, don't worry. You're not alone. We all carry different stressors, some big, some small. When we keep things bottled up, the results can be negative. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest without fear or judgment. It's a place to work through what is heavy on your mind and heart so that you can feel lighter and happier. I'm always holding on to something. It's the way my anxious brain works. I'm continually worried that I've done something wrong, that I've hurt the feelings of someone I love, and that I have let someone down. I'm stressed that I'm not being a good enough mom or wife. I panic that our life will implode at any given moment and it'll all be my fault. Thankfully, I have an amazing therapist who helps me talk through each of these scenarios. After each and every appointment, I feel lighter, happier, and more capable of showing up as my most authentic self. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash scared to death today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash scared to death. Summer is just around the corner. Who's excited? I know I am. With the warmer, sunnier days calling your name, the last place you're going to want to be is in your kitchen, cooking, and meal prepping. Make your life easier with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Factors Never Frozen, Always Fresh Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Think of all the extra time you will get outside in the summer sun when you aren't wasting hours in the kitchen. I think I speak for everyone when I say that the summer is the busiest time of the year. We are all trying to cram in as many things as possible, from concerts to vacations and everything in between. With Kyler home from college and Monroe on her break too, I want to spend as much time as possible with them. And while I truly love to cook, the summer is the one time of year that I'm the least interested in doing that for three meals a day. So I lean on Factor to help keep me healthy and in step with my diet. I'm obsessed with the honey yogurt pancakes for breakfast, the pork El Pastor for lunch, and the cilantro lime barramundi for dinner. So easy and saves me so much time. Head to factormeals.com slash scaredtodeath50 and use code scaredtodeath50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code scaredtodeath50 at factormeals.com slash scaredtodeath50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, now this okay. N- this next story has a basis very much in reality. Okay. I mean, and, th- and that one, you know, not, not to discredit the one we just told, but, you know, some of these, like, you, there's no, like, news things attached. This one, part of the story, very much documented, very heavily. Okay. Uh, okay, you ready? I mean, I guess... Tiny bit of setup. Not much here. Um, In 2003, two young men, Lucas and his friend Theo, were hanging out at Theo's house, playing video games, listening to music, talking about girls. Theo's house sat just outside the little village of Hagley in the West Midlands, a couple miles outside the outer edge of the southwest suburbs of Birmingham, England. The two were hungry, decided to walk into town, grab some post-dinner snacks from a nearby convenience store. During their return to Theo's, they decided to walk a little ways out into the woods and eat outside before the sun went down for the day, maybe enjoy a nice sunset break from recent rainy and terribly gray weather. Mm -hmm. They walked along a seldom-used trail where you might see an occasional dog walker, but on most days, you'd never run into anyone else at all. Okay. Time now for the tale of the dark, hooded figures of Hagley Wood. At a bend in the path leading towards a particularly thick area of the forest, Lucas and Theo both saw something that stopped the men dead in their tracks. They both were suddenly looking at a group of four hooded, robed figures standing in a small clearing in the woods they were headed towards, a clearing that lay roughly 50 yards off the trail. The group immediately gave Lucas and Theo the creeps. The two remained still, afraid that if they moved, the figures would notice them. The robed beings never seemed to notice either of them. At least they didn't think they did. It was hard to tell exactly where or what they were looking at. Theo and Lucas would both later talk about how these figures appeared to be completely and utterly dark. Neither man would remember seeing a single patch of skin on any of the figures, let alone on any of their faces. After no more than a minute, Theo and Lucas heard someone walking down towards them from further down the trail. They felt sick to their stomachs. Was it another one of these shadowy robed figures? Had they been spotted? Were they about to be? No. It was just another man they both recognized from the area out walking his dog. When the man came within a few feet of Theo, who seemed just as scared of Theo and Lucas, who were both silently staring at him, than Theo and Lucas were by the hooded figures. Theo started to say, do you know what's going on with those blokes in the robes? And then he stopped. The robe figures were gone. 
Theo and Lucas exchanged, what the hell? You know, just happened glances as the dog walker drew his dog in close to him, briskly walked past, shaking his head, never taking his suspicious eyes off the pair until he was well beyond them. Hmm. Once the man was a little ways down the trail, Theo and Lucas began to investigate the area. The trail was a bit muddy, usually was, and the only footprints they saw further down the path were from this man and his dog. They couldn't find any other set of footprints breaking off the trail and heading into the woods. Lucas and Theo tried to talk each other into thinking they must have just thought they saw those figures. Their minds must have been playing tricks on them, but they were both positive that they had definitely seen something. They both agreed that they had each known they'd witnessed four robed hooded figures as dark as midnight in that same area of the woods about 50 yards or so off the trail before talking to each other about it. They then, they then started to walk towards where they saw the figures, and after only walking about 20 yards off the trail, they heard what sounded like someone or something stepping on a small branch in the woods behind them. They spun around and saw nothing. Chalking it up to feeling spooked, the two began to walk further into the woods towards the clearing. After walking another 10 or 20 yards, Theo heard what sounded like someone following them. He spun around, and again, there was nothing there. Then Theo heard Lucas say, come on, let's hurry along and just make it to the clearing. We'll be safe there. And Theo said, no, it was a mistake coming out here. We need to get back to the footpath. And then Lucas, who was now 10 yards further in towards the clearing, said something that gave Theo the chills as he turned and looked at his friend. What? Did you just say something about running towards the clearing? Theo felt the stirrings of panic in his stomach and said, I said no such thing. Lucas, we need to get back to the trail right now. As Theo finished speaking those words, in his peripheral vision, he saw a robed shadow move from behind one tree to behind another. Lucas would later state he saw something similar happen. The two young men struggled to get back to the trail as the sun set. They continued to hear each other say things both would later deny. They felt disoriented, almost dizzy. Neither man would later remember a time they'd ever felt more confused. When they reached the trail, they both sprinted back down the way they came to the road and then continued to run to Theo's house, making it inside maybe a minute before or after sunset. A few days later, Theo was telling an uncle what had happened to he and Lucas, and instead of his uncle laughing him off like he thought he was going to, his uncle's eyes widened and asked exactly where the path was. Oh my gosh. When Theo told him, his uncle shook his head a bit disgusted and said, Don't you know where that is? That's near Hanley Hall, where Bella was found in the Witch Elm. Theo had completely forgotten about this strange bit of history. In the spring of 1943, four local boys had been out in Hagley Wood, part of the old Hagley estate once belonging to someone named Lord Cobham, when they came across a particularly large witch elm, also known as a Scots elm, a large species of elm tree common in England that regularly reaches heights of over 100 feet. Part of the trunk was hollow, and when one of the boys looked inside, they found a human skull. Ooh. Another one of the boys told his parents, who then told authorities, and when the police inspected the trunk of this tree, they found an almost complete human skeleton, a gold wedding ring, and some scraps of clothing. Yikes. A forensic examiner established the remains were from an adult female who had been dead at least 18 months. It also appeared, based on the fabric discovered inside the mouth of the skull, that she had been most likely suff suffocated, and based on the position of her remains, that she had been placed in the trunk shortly before or just after being killed. Police were unable to determine who the remains belonged to. Then in 1944, a graffiti message was found on a wall in Birmingham related to the woman that read, Who put Bella down the witch elm? Hagley Wood. The same message appeared written in the same handwriting around Birmingham for the next several years. That's crazy. Who was Bella? There were numerous reports that a prostitute known as Bella, who worked on Hagley Road, had disappeared in 1941. In 1945, Margaret Murray, a University of College London archaeologist, proposed that Bella was the victim of ritual sacrifice. One of her hands had been severed, consistent with a Romani, Romani ritual called the Hand of Glory. Others speculated that her ritual killing was carried out by some sort of satanic or other type of occult group. After Theo's uncle reminded him about this story, he told, uh, uh, he told Lucas, and the two of them now wonder if dark forces were trying to lure them to that clearing. They wonder that if they hadn't ran that night, would someone have later found their bodies inside another hollow trunk of another witch's elm? Yay, yay, yay. 
It's a weird mystery. The the the, the Bella part is heavily documented. It is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like there. It's a. It's like a thing that every once in a while, to this day, uh, graffiti probably copycats. Sure. At sure, this sure. point, but graffiti still appears in that area. Who put Bella in the witch elm? Uh, here is a picture of Bella's skull that was found. You oh, know, wow. Mm-hmm, with some hair attached there. Uh, this is some nearby graffiti. This next picture is from the uh, Witchbury Obelisk, a.k.a. H- uh, Hagley Obelisk. Or Obelisk? Obelisk, I think. Uh, Obelisk? Obelisk? Maybe. Maybe. I always mess that word up. It's been defaced with uh, uh, this, this specific place, been defaced since uh, the 70s. Wow. This graffiti. Sorry, I just realized a candle just went out. Oh, weird. Uh-huh. A candle just went out during yeah. that story? Oh, yeah. I, I just saw uh. the smoke go. Uh, okay, this next oh, picture is... And there's there's plenty of wax. And oh, really? Like, it's not like it's at the very end. You guys can't see, but the, the candle is still full to here. That's weird. That's weird. Uh, this next picture... And, sorry, there's, oh, no, sorry. there's no vent above or anything. Okay, oh, yeah. Bella. Okay, sister. <laughs> uh, this next picture, 2017 facial reconstruction of Bella. Uh, so this is, you know, uh, okay. thought to be between 35, 40 years old, roughly five feet tall when she went missing. I'm just... Spraying. Mm-hmm. Uh, next one, more graffiti. This is um, found in Birmingham not long after Bella uh, went missing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then this last picture is just a picture of the Hagley Wood Forest. So just a dark, you know, thick forest where they were out right. hiking and saw all this where all this happened. I mean, I don't know that I've ever been around a tree that I'm like, oh, yeah, you could fit a body inside of there. Right, yeah, hollowed out trunk. Yeah, pretty random. How does that happen? Is it like a, something that occurs in nature? Or could you, I, listen, I'm not a woodsy mm-hmm. person, right? So help me out here. Could could they, whoever they are, yeah. could they have cut the tree open from like the bottom and hollowed it out? I'm just trying to understand how this could happen. No, and I mean, different, like, like I kind of like to think of it as like a bigger thing where like a woodpecker makes a little hole in a tree and sometimes mm-hmm. the way trees grow. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not a... I don't even know what I can't remember now the the term for a tree person. It's not, it's not horticulturist. Horticulturist planting. Arborist. Arborist. I'm not an arborist. Yeah. But I know that um you know large tree trunks sometimes do get hollow spaces inside of them. Right. Uh, it doesn't sound like this one was man made because that was never mentioned in any of the articles regarding the story that somebody hollowed out the trunk to put the right. body in. Right. Uh, and and it, and it could have been where maybe the tree had fallen and the trunk was left and just kind of rotted out inside mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm, where. Mm-hmm. But there's but I have oh, seen yeah, those out like in the that. woods before just hiking around where there's a like a, a big hollow space in the base of a tree. I wasn't. I don't, I don't know about, how it happens, but yeah, I wasn't thinking about a tree that had fallen down. That didn't. I, I was just. And I don't was, know that it was. Right. No. But I'm, yeah, that was just because then. And just correct me if I'm wrong. Were there multiple bodies found over no, the years? Just one. Just one. Is only just, just ever one. her. Yeah. Her. Her entire skeleton missing the one hand, which is why there was a speculation about that Romani ritual. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And then yeah, the the ring, some clothes, all just you know curled up inside that trunk. So weird, weird place to leave a body, which is why there's speculation about like uh, the victim of some kind of like ritual killing. Yeah. Yee. Very weird place. Very to, to put weird. Mm hmm. Also, kind of genius. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, to hide it in there. Yeah. Right? Because let's if you say. You didn't have time to bury it or something. Let's say someone goes missing, right? And, right. and you're you're searching for said person. Yeah. And you do, you have, you know, like your, your dogs and you sniff and, you know, all the things that like you're out in the woods or just like what. Yeah. But, I mean, if you, if someone was captured or abducted, I should say captured, if someone was abducted, mm-hmm. let's say in a city and you, they were murdered and they were taken out to the woods, like that's not your first thought to like, oh, let's go to the woods. And it would, to me, it would be smarter to put them inside of a tree instead of disrupting the earth around oh, I see if, where yeah. that's an obvious. <sighs> yeah. Yikes. See? Ikaramba. <laughs> wow. That's going to stick with me. Also, I still am thinking about the rake being at our back door. Yeah, the rake being at the sliding glass door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not that. You are letting the dogs out at night for the next couple of weeks or you have to come upstairs with me. <laughs> right. That would be more. I mean, th- those kind of stories, I think they're they're more outlandish, like the cryptid type things. Mm-hmm. Than, for whatever reason, my own personal belief system, I'm more open to believing in like a shadowy person type spirit. That thing's shadowy. It, it is, but it's like flesh. It's flesh. You know, it's not like um, you, it couldn't pass through you. It's like a, a real flesh and bone creature. Uh-huh. That would disturb me more. To see, like, to see essentially a monster mm-hmm. would bother me, I think, more than a ghost of some kind. Like if some mist showed up, that would that would be 
fucking terrifying. I wouldn't yeah. like it. Yeah. And some shadowy person, and then it like comes, you know, passes through me or whatever, Oof. sneaks off into a uh-huh. little part of the, freak me out. But if something is like thud, 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 like walking tangible. along the gr- tangible, and then it like touches me, uh-huh. and then bolts or whatever, oh man. I, I am less creeped out by the tangible thing. Because really? in my mind, I'm like, not that we're like walking around with guns, but I was like, you could probably kill that. You could probably capture oh, okay. it. You could make it go away. You could investigate it. But I don't right? hear about shadow people like uh, like biting you or attacking you that way. Yeah, but but a shadow person is just that. It's a shadow. It's it can't yeah. be caught. No. It can't be further dug into. You can't search the history. Like if you if this thing, if the mm. rake was at our back door and yeah. in some crazy amazing scenario, we have a metal cage that traps it. And, you know what <laughs> okay, I mean? Like, yeah. But then you've got it. And it's over. It's over. You've got okay. it. And you, I mean, okay, you could always say like, oh, well, maybe it re- mm-hmm. these things can reproduce or blah, blah. But let's just say it's one. Yeah. So now you've got it. And now you've got scientists that can tell you what this thing is, right? Yeah. A shadow cannot be, you cannot capture a shadow. You cannot put yeah. your arms around it. True. You cannot shoot it, harm it. It can fucking touch you. Yeah. Because it can go right through you. But you are never like, ha ha, I gotcha. I just had the most absurd, as you're just setting up this uh, description. Yeah. I just pictured for whatever reason, I'm in the living room. Uh-huh. So I'm having a drink. I'm having a little gin and tonic uh-huh. in, my, in the chair I always sit in. Yeah. Oh, and God. Then, and then oh, God. You, and then you're, you're opening up the sliding door. Uh-huh. And then there's a shadow person next to me. Uh-huh. And me and the shadow person are watching the rake drag you out into the yard. That's awesome. And I'm just thinking like, ah, that sucks. That does suck more. That does suck more. I was right. I, I, I raised my head, do like a little toast to the shadow thing. I'm like, ah, I like, I'm glad I'm with you. Not that well, I am. <laughs> Uh, I was thinking when you were telling the rake story, also, we have big front windows. Yep. That we just have curtains, like we don't have blinds. Mm -hmm. And I just thought like, oh my God, it would be the best practical joke. Yeah. (laughs) To, because we don't, we don't, we close those curtains at night and then they're closed until often, Mm -hmm. like dinner the next day, Mm -hmm. but we keep them closed pretty much all the time. And I was thinking like, oh my God, I could totally do something to those windows we're like, I'm like, oh, babe, I think I heard like, oh, oh my oh, God, Gigi's going after a turkey in the window because that's what our dogs do. They like, yeah, yeah. right. Climb up on the window. And, and then if I was like, oh, my God, I think something's out there. And then if I got you to pull the curtains back. Yeah. Terrify me. It could literally be anything. It could be a hand drawn picture of the rake and you would lose your shit and it'd be so great. I'm kind of rooting for that because as scared as I would get, Penny and Gigi would lose their little dog minds even more and it'd be worth it. Yeah. And I'm thinking about being at my mom's this past weekend. Oh my gosh. And uh, a a tiny wooden carve out of a bear just scaring, like as scared as we, if maybe any listeners get by these stories, our, one of our dogs was more scared. Oh, Ginger's such a baby. By just a cute wooden cutout that my mom had outside her front door of a little bear. Uh Uh-huh terrified our dog it didn't help she, she didn't she wouldn't want to go out to go to the bathroom we have to carry her past this thing <laughs> to set her down to go to the bathroom because she would like almost shake with fear well it didn't help that you and our son kyler then picked it up and we're like Rawr, Gigi, is this thing so scary you chased her with it that's true <laughs> i don't think that that helps that's a good point it is entertaining though our poor sweet doodle she is mm-hmm. i feel like one of these episodes i'm just gonna have ginger i'm just gonna hold her for the whole Aww. episode be cute PQ and soothing. Yep, she'd stay there. Okay, we'll, we'll bring her in. She's so cute, you guys. Now, before we get to our, our, our my stories this week, you have a special announcement. I do have a special announcement. This is so exciting. So if you've made it this far into the episode. <laughs> um, so we're just super excited. We are coming. This is episode 43. Uh, this is episode 43. Okay. And that, that's not 43 weeks because we did two at the beginning. But mm-hmm. 52 episodes commences a year of Scared to Death is how we're looking at yeah. it. And for the one-year anniversary, we are hearing your requests and we are making a Scared to Death book. I'm excited. Yeah, it's going to be so awesome. A collection of the best my stories. Some of the best. All of them. It's going yeah, yeah, yeah. to be all the my stories that made it into year one of the show. So if you're listening or watching right now, what we need from you is to email us at book, B-O-O-K, at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. We have to send you a release form, right? You have to say like, oh, it's okay to publish my story. That's a good time to say like, leave my name out, change my name. Uh, something happened since I sent in this story. Here's like a little update, what have you. Kate uh, from our team here, and I will also be emailing you from that email address if we don't hear from you. It's going to take a couple weeks to kind of get this going. So you have until July 14th to email us again, book at scaredtodeathpodcast.com to get the release in. And and it's just going to be a long process. We have to do that. We have to mm-hmm. compile it, get it all edited into the correct format, 
we're not book publishers, so then, you know, we have to send it to the place where it's put together and Mm -hmm. the whole thing, but it's going to be so cool. And yeah, we'll have details as we kind of work our way through this process about cost and availability and all of that. So hang tight on those questions. But for right now, what we need is for you to give us your permission to use your story. Yeah. We're so excited. Yeah, very excited. It's going to be be a very, very cool cool book. Very, very, very cool. Um, and, And fear not... If you didn't make it on the first year, we hope that we get to do this every year for as long as the podcast is going. So, you know, as always, keep sending in the stories. And now there's kind of like a a bigger prize at the end if you can make it into the show. Another reminder, where do they send those emails for permission? Book at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Thank you. Okay. All right. Now, Dan, do you have your squishy squishy? Mm -hmm. If anybody wants to send a new squishy, that guy is getting very dull and dirty. <laughs> He's all rough. He's roughed up. It's okay. It's okay. He still squishes. I'm just saying, you know, you might you might want a new one. We'll keep an eye out. But if anybody sees any good ones, let us know. Ready, Spaghetti? I'm ready. Okay. So we're off to North Carolina. I'm, I dig this story so much. Okay. I have been listening to the Scared to Death podcast for about two weeks and have listened to it every day since I found it. Uh, I'm a forest ranger and make long uh, drives throughout the mountain region of North Carolina, fighting wildfires and inspecting logging jobs, so I enjoy the long ghost stories to keep me entertained. I am definitely a creeper, and uh, I guess you would have to be in order to be willing to work in the dark woods at times. Mm-hmm. Many of the stories that Dan tells I've heard before, but he does a really good job of finding some new detail that goes into the story just a little bit further, making it really that much more interesting. Lindsay's also very funny. High vibes. Thank you. (laughs) With her commentary, he says, I'm married to a Lindsay, and she would probably make the same peanut gallery comments. Anyways, I digress. I'm messaging you as I have a story of my own to tell. Okay. It has somewhat of an interesting backstory that many people... Uh, um, that I'm sorry, it has somewhat of an interesting backstory that may appeal more than the experience I had myself, but maybe the two combined make for a good story. And I think it does. The Chapel of Rest, I've never heard of this, okay. is a small church situated on a grassy knoll overlooking the Yadkin River in Happy Valley in the foothills of Western North Carolina. It was built in 1887 as part of the Patterson Boys School and was restored and preserved in 2002 by the National Historical Society. It is a beautiful little church that has served as a popular wedding spot and still holds services, usually on holidays, to this day. However, there is a dark history to this place, or at least rumored to be. The story goes that the pastor in the early 1900s caught his wife cheating on him and couldn't deal with the grief. So that coming Saturday, he decided to commit suicide Uh. by slitting his wrists and hanging himself from the rafters just above the front pew. Uh. On Sunday morning, the congregation of the church came in to find their preacher dead. The story goes on to say that to this day, you can go up there and see the blood stain on the floor and the indentations on the rafters, along with the scratches on the pews from where the hard-soled shoes he was wearing were scraping against the pews as he hung there. At night, people say you can see him swinging when looking through the large windows and also that there is a Bible at the podium that will tell you when, where, and how you will die. Whoa. Scary, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So now to my story. I was in a world religion class in college, and one day the teacher gave us a project to do something that covered a religious topic. Could be anything at all. So me and the girl I had been friends with for years, who was also in this class, decided to do a video documentary on the history of the Chapel of Rest. We met that following weekend and rode to the church. This was filmed during the day as the church is closed at night. She brought her camcorder as cell phones had not yet taken off in the realm of videography to film our adventure. As we walked through the beautiful church, you could see the former craftsmanship that had been preserved. Mm-hmm. There were dark spots in the wood floors, as stated in the local ghost story. But were there bloodstains on the past from the pastor's suicide? That I'm not sure. The pews also had scuffs, as if made by hard sole shoes. But again, I can't confirm that this is exactly what they were from. As we filmed, we scanned over almost every section available to the public, and we did not find the Bible with any death notes in it. But this is a, this is said to only appear at midnight. We moved our filming to the cemetery out back. It was filled with Confederate soldiers and local families, and the graveyard had a certain peacefulness of it, uh, peacefulness to itself, all all on its own. 
we wrapped up filming and we parted ways. When the day came that we were ready to do our presentation, we popped in our tape and began to walk the class through the history of the church. Now for the spoopy part. (laughs) As the video panned for our opening shot, my teacher said, whoa, 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 rewind that. As I backed up the footage, he said, look there, look. I could not believe my eyes. In the window, closest to the back of the church Mm -hmm. was a face pressed against the glass, staring out at us, white as can be, almost too white, as if not human. I couldn't make out much of the features on the face. Remember, the quality of filming at that time was HD at best, Mm -hmm. and we used a low-grade camcorder. But it was most certainly a face. Now, the scary part is it was only my friend and I at this place during filming as we had scanned the entire building looking in every nook and cranny. There was absolutely no one there. Mm -hmm. So who was staring out at us? My friend swears that she didn't tamper with any of the footage, and I believe her as she had no reason to do so. The worst part is that it was during the opening shot. So whoever or whatever it was was there the whole time we were there. I drive by that place almost every week, and I often wonder what it is like at night. Maybe one night, I'll see another side to this place. You can look uh, you can look any of these stories up by a simple Google search of the Chapel of Rest and do a little digging. Many ghost hunters have done blogs about it. Keep, keep up the awesome show. Love listening to you guys. All, uh, and then it's not signed. Okay, just anonymous. That was started my second story. <laughs> I was like, ah. <laughs> Yeah, just, that, I mean, I, again, you know, it's like I can see your guys' names in the email address, but if you don't say like, hey, this is Joe, I'm not. Right, right, right. Just in case you want to remain anonymous. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like just a, that's a creepy little, little moment or especially right. if, like the teacher found it. And then if it really, um, you know, they really did see a face and, and I would imagine, you know, like at that time, uh, you would know if the person you're doing the assignment with had the ability to, to doctor film. Right. I don't think it's Which, like, like now it's so easy, right? I mean, even right. just on our cell phones, yeah, now with apps cut out a frame, mm-hmm. we put it back together. Oh yeah. Way more a, complicated. Yeah. And there's apps you can easily add images to any kind of video footage you want. Right. At, at this time, that was not the case. Yeah, clearly. Now, had you ever heard of the Chapel of Rest? No, never heard of that. Me either. Of course, I did not look it up because right. I don't need all that in my brain. I am, I am amazed how many stories were out there. It is interesting. I'm just, you know, with the the body of stories that are out there. Uh, I was working yesterday on mm-hmm. some more stories and I'm like several episodes ahead as far as like on stories. Yeah. And I'm amazed when I just like, it just happened for a story that will, I'll be telling in a few weeks where I'm like, how the hell did I never hear of this? Yeah. And, and then that story sometimes will lead to a whole other big group of stories. Where I'm like, how did I never hear of any of this? Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. Like things that like, you know, in that region or whatever like that, some incident that like mm-hmm. made the papers and made headlines and had reporters like going crazy over it and then just kind of like faded into obscurity. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, and like, um, I mean, yeah, I, I will just say a little, little teaser uh, uh, episode coming up in a few weeks that'll have a couple poltergeist stories. Yikes. They're both what, – what's really disturbed me about it, and, and, and again, these stories, I love the ones that are heavily documented because they make me reflect on the entire body of work of what we've covered here. Absolutely. This story, all the stories as far as like how real they could be. Right, because I mean he says you can Google it. Like right. this is well documented. Mm-hmm. And, and the stories I'm thinking of in my head, many witnesses. Yeah. Like police reports uh. where numerous officers just stated flat out we witness paranormal activity. I don't know why the police reports – I mean I do know why. Police reports freak me the fuck out because, Mm -hmm. like, let's just, like, forget about what's happening in American culture right now, okay? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Police are supposed to be people that you can trust, that tell the truth, like, right? right? So when they're, when people who spend their lives doing investigations and are, like, hardened by all of the horrible shit they've seen, they're not the people that you think are going to be like, and I think I saw a ghost. Well, because you could lose your job. Yeah, that, that's what I think about. Like, no, I'm sure no, like sergeant. I, I mean, I don't know the chain of command, like who inspects the reports, sure. but whoever's inspecting them. Yeah, no one's gonna be like, awesome. You just went to a domestic disturbance call and you wrote down that it was ghosts. Sweet, you're doing. Let's give this guy a raise. <laughs> right, Let, promotion like, for you. Right, like you're you're give this gal a raise. You know, whatever. Yeah. Like you're risking, you know, getting in trouble. You know, like sure, that's, sure. so. So for you to like sign it mm-hmm. and to have multiple officers, like, yep, yep, yep. That to me carries a lot of weight. I just got the chills just thinking about that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, you got another one for us? I do. I do. So we're going back to New York. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fine, yeah. Okay. So pretty, pretty far up there, uh, and not a traditional sort of story. And actually, the the author 
says, you know, this is kind of a cautionary tale of well, be careful what you get into. Right, but it, right. I don't know, really spoke to me. So, oh, okay, here we go. Dear Dan and Lindsay and the other members of the Scared to Death Time Suck crew, I apologize in advance for my long story. My name is Ellen, and I'm a huge fan of both your podcasts. Thanks, Ellen. I have a story that I want to share with you. I'm a senior in college in northern New York, like literally 20 minutes from the Canadian border. I transferred here about two and a half years ago, and the initial mm -hmm. transition was pretty hard for me. I was fresh from an incredibly abusive relationship and had recently switched majors and was living off campus on my own for the first time. So needless to say, I was pretty emotionally and mentally fragile. Yeah. I started having trouble sleeping, so I would go for long drives in the middle of the night for something to do, which I just have to say, like, I could never. Right, no. right. Mm -mm. One night, I found myself on a desolate road that eventually led to a dimly lit intersection. But before I got to the end of the road, I saw an abandoned house, a stunning dark mauve Italian Italianate. It sat alone as there were no other houses anywhere near it and was about one fourth of a mile from the intersection. To give you some quick background, I'm a history major, and I've spent the last two years working at a historic estate. My grad school goal is to study historic preservation and public history. So old houses are mm -hmm. kind of my shit. <laughs> In the dark, I hadn't gotten the view I wanted of the house, so I turned around and drove back and stopped to get a better look. As my eyes adjusted, I could see the torn curtains in the window the fallen-in floor of the back porch, and the overall poor condition of the structure. Stopping to, look at the old stopping to look at old houses is not unusual for me, so after this initial stop, I didn't think anything was weird about the house. However, I began to form a strange obsession with it. Mm -hmm. I thought about it often, and it also frequently appeared in my dreams. Before long, all of my late-night drives would end up with me sitting in front of this house, and to be honest, many times I don't even know how I got back to my apartment. Eventually, I started having the deepest desire to break into the house and see the interior. I'd seen it in my dreams dozens of times, but I needed to see it for real. It was getting hard to remain rational when thoughts about the house took over in my mind. Thankfully, it was around this same time that I started dating my friend Chris, and having him to focus on seemed to help my mental health improve, and so the obsession seemed to go dormant for periods of time. Mm -hmm. After a few months, my lease was up and I moved in with Chris. This move took me further from the house, and my thoughts about it became less and less intense. The nighttime drives were now something Chris and I did together, only not quite as late at night. He would show me the area and tell me stories about certain locations and buildings. It's something we really like to do. Boring, yes, <laughs> but we were both raised in small towns, and this kind of thing is prime entertainment to uh -huh. us. I told him about the house, which I called my house, and I either didn't notice at the time how strange this was, or I didn't notice how much I was doing it, and I suggested that we go see it on one of our drives. Mm -hmm. Chris was apprehensive at first. He wasn't very familiar with that area and just seemed nervous about the whole situation. He told me later that he had had a weird and uncomfortable feeling whenever I talked about my house. Eventually, I got him to drive out there, and as we approached the house, a calm came over me, and I closed my eyes. I don't remember doing or saying much of anything other than telling Chris how much I loved the house. And I could have sworn that my eyes stayed shut, but Chris remembers me babbling on and on about my house and describing the woman in a black dress. The next thing I remember was a feeling of rage as Chris sped up when we got to the house. He drove by so quickly that I barely got a good look. I was so angry, but the look on his face kind of snapped me out of whatever little trance I had been in. I had never seen anyone so scared. He was breathing heavily and not saying much. Now, it's worth noting that Chris works as a correctional officer and has laughed at every horror movie we've ever watched together. I had never seen him scared, let alone terrified. Once he calmed down, he told me that he was overcome with an indescribable fear and panic as the house came into view. That, coupled with me babbling on about the house in my trance-like state, sent mm -hmm. him over the edge. He said the house seemed to be evil and begged me to never go back. Weird. I didn't tell him that the woman I had supposedly described to him in the black dress was a regular part of my dreams about the house. In my dreams, she had shown me visions of the home when it was full of life. They were happy, and they, and they made me want to see the house even more. Mm -hmm. That night, I dreamt of the house and the woman. 
but in this dream, she was very angry and the house was dark and rotting. The next morning, Chris told me that he had seen the blonde woman in the black dress as he was trying to fall asleep. Uh. He said that he felt someone near him and so he opened his eyes and instead of darkness, he saw her face pressed against his, her mouth open in a soundless scream of rage. We saw these dreams as a warning and now both believed that something had tried to attach itself to me and was angry that Chris had interfered. We both believe in the paranormal, but this was something that we thought we would only ever hear about on podcasts or in movies Mm -hmm. or books. Almost immediately after this event, our house was filled with shadows and figures that we would see out of the corners of our eyes. I had the shower curtain pulled open on me twice and Chris was constantly hearing voices in the house. It was not long after the night we drove by the house that the that the migraines began. What? I had a history of them growing up. So at first I didn't think anything of it. But after a few months, they were happening more and more and were so painful that I was unable to get out of bed. The day before Halloween last year in 2019, I was trying to push through one of the migraines while at school, but other symptoms began to manifest themselves quickly. Like in the morning at the coffee shop, I had dropped my keys and noticed that I could not easily move my arm to pick them up. And in class, I felt so very confused. I sent my mother a text message explaining my symptoms and then put my phone away. My mother, who by some weird twist of fate happened to be just uh, 25 miles away at a seminar at a nearby university, rather than her two hours away, saw my text and was immediately alarmed. She tried calling me several times, but in my state of confusion, I didn't pick up my vibrating phone. Fearing that I had had a stroke or something else serious, Mm -hmm. she contacted campus police who met me outside of my classroom. As I tried to talk to the officer, I realized that I had almost no ability to speak. He was clearly concerned and walked me to the parking lot where my mother was waiting for me. She immediately rushed me to the hospital, and despite how busy the ER was, I was somehow miraculously taken uh, and put in a bed and monitored. The doctors were seriously concerned because my body was giving no response to pupil dilation or reflex tests. I knew exactly what was going on, but I couldn't speak or effectively move any of my limbs. I was absolutely terrified. Eventually, we were told that I needed to have a spinal tap. Side note, she says, I emailed Dan to thank him because thinking about McGill's pop from the Donner (laughs) Party episode of Time Uh Suck helped me get through this experience. Oh, yeah. Okay, sorry. Uh Mm Uh-huh. And then I ended up needing four consecutive procedures before one of the procedures worked. Eventually, the spinal fluid came back clear, and within hours of the release of fluid, I had regained most of my speaking ability and some of the functions of my limbs. This all led doctors to believe that there was some severe pressure on my brain that had caused all of these symptoms. Mm -hmm, A CT mm -hmm. scan, MRI, EEG, EKG, x-rays, blood tests, ultrasounds of my uh, carotid artery all showed nothing unusual. I have further appointments with neurologists, but we're told that as of right now, the doctors are totally unsure of what had caused this pressure. Mm -hmm. While I was at my mother's recovering from my time in the hospital, Chris noticed that the same kind of vision of the blonde woman in the black dress had come back. On top of that, a good friend of my mother's, who's a talented medium, asked another medium for information about me. Apparently, this medium was good at providing information when it came to medical problems. Uh, This medium doesn't know me, nor do they live anywhere near me. They pinpointed every single one of the medical issues I was having exactly and described some sort of outside emotional force affecting me. While I am highly skeptical of most people claiming to be mediums or psychics, Mm -hmm. I fully trust my mother's friend and thus this woman. And the information the medium provided was too specific for me to overlook completely. Chris and I talked about whether or not we think the entity or entities from the house were responsible for causing my medical issues. I am otherwise a healthy 22-year-old. And with us being suspicious paranormal lovers, it's hard not to think about that kind of thing and not mention the coincidental timing. While I'm sure there's a medical explanation for what happened to me, we're still dealing with occasional occurrences in the house. Uh. I sage the house regularly and have prayed for protection, but often wonder if we may have to have it blessed by a priest or something else before we will be free of this residual activity. Again, I apologize for the long story, but I thought it was a good cautionary tale for people who are as curious as me. Sometimes it's important to be careful because I had to learn the hard way that often truth can, in fact, be stranger than fiction. Thanks for all the work you guys do for all of the shows. They're the best. Chris and I are big fans. Ellen. 
Helen, man. Yeah, thank you, Helen. Uh, Isn't that nutty? That is nutty. So the, so the house, okay, we're all yeah, so this. Yeah, let's go back. Yeah, so where all this originated, I was trying to hold my thoughts. I know, and, I know. That's and, and why still you got to have that. I know, I, I forgot my notebook today, or a little pad. It's so helpful. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking about, like, uh, this Italian Okay, kind of, okay, so here's yeah. the deal. So she lives upstate New York, right? right and she would go on right, these long right. drives to just, like, I get it, clear your sure, mind sure. if you're, like, a baby. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's this old abandoned house. So, okay, that's like, what I was trying to remember. If you think of, like— it was abandoned, but not sure. Yeah, just, like, yeah. a beautiful old, like, you know, you think yep, of, like, Victorian, yep. Italianate columns. And, the, and they never went inside. They just drove by. No. And she liked it. She started referring to it as my house. Yeah, my house. But Chris my house. did not want— yeah, Chris did not like it, and, and yeah. like, and the, and the guy who's the the corrections officer, who's yeah. not easily scared, right? Seen a lot, yeah. Uh, very bothered by this house. Mm-hmm. That is like a weird mm-hmm. possible phenomena. I don't know why I got the chills now because it's creepy. It's creepy, creepy to think she went and saw this house once, and like we all do, we all like go house hunting. I'm thinking out. about the place. What was the place we saw by oh Wallace? Oh my god, we don't know what I that know, was. What's the name of that little town? Um, I, 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 Silverton. Silverton. Thank you. Yeah, Just, if anybody like knows, Dan and I went on a little like one day road trip yeah, to Wallace, Idaho, yeah. and on the way there's like this other little you know offshoot town called uh-huh. Silverton, and there's this old abandoned mm-hmm. building we cannot yep. find it on like a registry we've been looking yeah. for it. i've been digging around i cannot find it anywhere wallace is a, is a cool little town that used so to be like cool. this big mining town it has all these like like most of the downtown from is uh from between 1880 and 1910 like all these old buildings very cool history it's a cool like little cool town. yeah like little art galleries and coffee shops and cafes all that kind of stuff but it's very cool. small yeah very cool and then there's these pr- little peripheral mining towns in the silver valley it's mm-hmm. called and one silverton and it's like Silverton is not even really a town. It has a post office, but it, it has a school. Has a school, but it doesn't have like a commercial district. Right. Like it you wouldn't go yeah, there for anything. It's just outside of Wallace. Yeah, you're not like going there like, oh, there's this cool restaurant mm. in Silverton. That's not happening. And there was this one big old creepy building, oh like my what God. either three or four stories. Mm-hmm. Big brick building. Big brick building, very gothic looking to me at least. That might not be the type of architecture. No, it's, it's not, not gothic. No. It's it's pretty like old school. Mm. <sighs> like when when schoolhouses went from being wooden to uh, brick it has uh, that kind of vibe early like, 20th century somewhere around maybe that late, I'm not good late with. 19th okay. yeah and, and it clearly was restored to something it at just some has point. a weird vibe to it maybe it's because it's abandoned something but it's a <sighs> creepy ass building but i just think this story made me think of that where like we went there was no trespassing signs yeah we went kind of as far basically where we could still if we got yelled at we didn't go inside we didn't go inside so there's but like we a, went to the edge right there's a parking lot yeah. and then there's you know you can imagine it like having been something really pretty Park, gravel parking lot and then you know all these different spaces yeah. and a nice beautiful hedge and then a pretty archway and there was a car were, there in the back where it looked like somebody was in the building like oh, God, I, I doing feel God like, knows what well there was also cleaning supplies outside I, oh, and a okay. dumpster I felt like someone had bought the building because uh. if you looked through this little archway path and then you uh. see the building open uh. up on the front door, yeah, there was a little visa. Card yeah, thing. yeah, there was like a visa, Mastercard. Like this is what we accept. So at some point, that building was, was one something. thing, then converted to something mm-hmm. else. But it had like I was staring at windows, like okay, something's gonna move. Yeah, something's yeah. gonna move. It just had the worst fucking vibe. And Ellen's story just made me think of like, yeah, I mean, there's there are people who wouldn't go in a haunted house necessarily, right? But would want to like drive up and check it out. And I think of like old scared to death stories. I think of, I believe it was called the Plant House uh-huh. in Union, Missouri, where the shadow that person right. walking through the window and stuff oh, as yeah. they drove away. One of the creepier stories that stuck with me. Yeah. And I just like oh, like, like that dad that moved the family uh-huh, out. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah. And, and I just think about like, um, you know. That this, no matter how small the chance is, like how horrible that you could just drive by someplace mm-hmm. and have some entity, whatever you want to call it, in that place attach itself to you yeah. and come back to your house. Right, right. It like got, no, thank you. Right, it got her. And then those migraines, mm-hmm. and I suffer with migraines. Not and two it. people seeing things. You know, I mean, she had the medical things that happened afterwards. Uh-huh. Doesn't sound like he did. No. So, but he but, heard he, the but he's still hearing things. So, so like I, I was trying to establish the face. Bl- oh God, the blonde lady. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Hi, I have a little thing. <gasps> oh, producer Joe wants to wait. Hello, in. Joe. Hi, guys. Hi. Uh, from what I've been able to find in a Reddit thread, mm-hmm. yes. that building you guys are talking oh, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, Why didn't a, I look on Reddit? Abandoned <sighs> hospital, like a poor house I for the oh, state. No way. And it's supposedly heavily haunted. Of course it what? is. Anyway, I, see ya. Okay, so that's, I told you when we were oh there. Oh my God, a lot of people have died in there, probably miserably. Well, I told you, I was like, oh, this looks like an old, um, 
orphanage is what I was guessing. I thought it was like uh, an, oh, dang. Yeah, if anybody from northern Idaho are just passing through, it is it is like, how has this place not been used to film a horror movie already? Well, because it's horribly haunted. No one wants to go in there. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just going to put, this is my Gary Howard crystal. It's going <laughs> to channel protection. some peace. Thank you, Gary. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, not how you use crystals. One more time, the email for yes. the book. Okay, guys. As we leave here. So one more time, just in case you missed the announcement, we are gathering up the fan stories into a collective book. I need you to sign a release to say like, yeah, you can use my story or don't use my name. All the things. Book, B-O-O-K, just what you think. Mm-hmm. Book at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. You'll be hearing from Kate or me. Or both of us. We're going to hound you until we get it all sorted out. <laughs> uh, so please send those in. Uh, Do it. I'm so excited. And thank you for the ratings and reviews. Uh, they they always help so much. We really appreciate it. Uh, check out BadMagicMerch.com to see the Creeps and Peepers Summer Beach Collection. Woo-hoo! Get some cool tote bags, uh, <gasps> beach blankets. One's um, a Ouija board <gasps> beach blanket. It's so good. I'm so mm-hmm. into it. You can bring your scares out into the sun. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Not, so not often. But you know, but but you know, we're more of a nighttime show. They're so cute. They're so cute. But sometimes, you know, horror lovers need a little vitamin D. I mean, I don't. I mean, have you seen me? <laughs> uh, that's our show for today. Thank you for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Get in that book. Uh, thanks to Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails for Lindsay. You can email us at info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Uh, thanks for listening, watching this bad magic production if you are on YouTube. Thanks to Logan and Kate Keith on social media and badmagicmerch.com for the merch design, producer Sophie Evans for help in story curation, Joe Paisley and Zach Flannery for producing, directing, and for adding and creating custom sound beds. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram if you want even more content at Scared to Death Podcast. Subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube and enjoy your nightmares, creeps and peepers. Uh, be careful with that house in Silverton. Aww. I hope you were scared to death. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through but have no home here within scared to death. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. 